And welcome back to Top Chatter Sports on a special episode of Hockey Thoughts here, where we're going to be discussing the Toronto Maple Leafs and their failures, basically. Um, I'm joined to my left by Victor. Victor, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. And to my right, and making his Top Chatter Sports technically return, but mostly debut, Matt McGinnis. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. I remember you you joined us uh, way back when for our NHL player rankings. Um, That's right. Well, we'll have to have revisit those sometimes and see, and see how that aged. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of did that off episode and decided it wouldn't be for the best. All for right, anyone. Yeah. Um, so, Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's just give a quick little recap. They have still yet to win a playoff series since 2004. Um, they have 40% roughly of their salary cap tied into four players, three of which, which we'll get into, I'm sure, uh, kind of disappeared in the postseason and have disappeared in the postseason. And, um, it's been a t- tough road I, every year. It's kind of been rinse, repeat, right? Great regular season, uh, expectations certainly there, debatably a cup contender, and then every year they're a first-round exit, many times blowing series leads like we saw against Montreal this year, blowing that 3-1 lead. So my first question, I guess – well, actually, you know what? Let's just start with this. Um, Matt, what's just your general take on the state of the Leafs today? Well, for starters, it's, I mean, it's a disaster, right? And for me at least, I don't know that this is the general consensus, but for me at least, it was very predictable. Um, there was no point this season where I believed that they could win the Stanley Cup. There was no point where I believed that they would win the division. And I say that they would win the division because they should have won the division. Uh, playoffs, of course, they did in the regular season. But when I look at the North, all, all year I said that it was the weakest of the four divisions. And so for a team like Toronto, who has been seemingly close for the last four seasons – this was a golden opportunity to take advantage of a weak division. I mean, the next best team, at least by record was an Edmonton team that has about six good players and the rest are just along for the ride. So the fact that Toronto didn't win the first round, let alone the second and get into the semis to me is inexcusable, but it's exactly what I thought would happen since, you know, January. Yeah. Uh, Victor, you want to piggyback off that? Yeah, so uh, at this point, I definitely agree with Matt. Like, we're seeing eye to eye. And this year, I think, is causing more questions and fan heartbreak than usual. Uh, I know they set the bar low. But because of how the divisions were, I mean, they didn't have to play Boston. Like, that's their that's their kryptonite uh, every single year is not only just the playoffs, but Boston in the playoffs. It's been, what, three straight years? And they couldn't get past them. Uh, so you finally don't have to play Boston. You get the easiest division. Yes, I will say the easiest division. Um, and they did exactly what we expected them to in the regular season, uh, or at least most people. I had them in second. Bold take. Uh, but yeah, and they choke in playoffs. And it, it was, as Matt would say, like a little predictable. But even this... I didn't expect for the Leafs. Like I, I didn't have them winning the second round 
but I thought they should be able to cruise through whoever they played in the first round. Yeah, see, and Vic, I think, you know, you said we were on the same page there, and we are, but that's where we differed a little bit because this Montreal upset of Toronto is something that I picked in January. I picked Toronto to win the division. I picked Montreal to squeak in as the four, and I picked Montreal to beat Toronto because, like I said, never once at any point did I think Toronto would be capable of progressing through the postseason. They should be, but I didn't think that they would be, and so I stuck with Montreal when the matchup came to fruition, and even at three games to one in Toronto's favor, I still stuck with the Canadians because this is just what happens. I'm very much with the Leafs now to a point where I won't believe it until I see it. And unfortunately, I don't think it matters what changes they make or what they do in the regular season. I have to see them win in the playoffs before I feel like they actually can. Their talent is there. Something else isn't. Yeah. And that's uh, what we're... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So let's just, let's look ahead a bit. Let's talk about the roster because, well, first off, I guess, do you guys, how much of the blame do you put on the head coach? Do you think there needs to be a coaching change? Sheldon Keefe, you know, obviously they struggled with Babcock there. They bring in Sheldon Keefe. Seems to be the same story. Is it on the coach or is it just on the culture and the players at this point? I'll go first. I think it's on. It's a little bit of everything. I think for sure you've got to change coaches. Um, I think with Babcock, the environment was poor, to say the least. And, you know, that's going to lead to a lack of success. And I think with Sheldon Keefe, I – you know, obviously we're from the Pittsburgh area, so the Penguins come to mind first. I kind of think of the Mike Johnston era in Pittsburgh where you bring in a first-time NHL coach with a team that just shook things up. The Leafs haven't done that yet, but I think that that's probably coming. And you kind of fall flat on your face. It didn't fix anything when Mike Johnston was in Pittsburgh. It took a year and a half of him, then a change to get going in the right direction. I see some similarities between that era and the Sheldon Keefe era in Toronto. Victor? I'm, I'm not entirely sure where I put all the blame. Uh, it's definitely more than one spot. It's definitely partly on the head coach because any head coach that can't close out a 3-1 series lead uh, needs to be criticized in some fashion. Um, I don't... I won't put on... Uh, I won't put too much blame on Dubis because as we've seen through the regular season, this is a good team. Uh, I am not a fan of his acquisitions at the deadline because they didn't work how I think uh, they expected them to but we can dive into that a little more when we get into like a player standpoint um, but yes I put on the coach I put on the players for sure uh, the star players to some extent and just the culture uh, I don't think there was a confidence in Toronto being up 3-1 I think they got in their own heads slightly and that played a part in leading to this downfall. All right. So, yeah, so both kind of in agreement there then on the coach. Um, so let's talk the roster because it's a mess. Um, as I mentioned, four players take up about 40% of their cap. Now Toronto does have a lot of, you know, they pay a lot in performance bonuses so that they can manage to stay under the cap. They have that luxury, but you can do that all you want. You're still up against the cap. Um, as of right now, they have a projected $120,000 in cap space uh, at the end of this year. It's going to be a big offseason for the Leafs. They have a lot of free agents, so a chance to kind of shake up the roster a bit just in free agency. Um, but when I look at this team, and we'll, I'll just point out the notables, Frederick Anderson will be a free agent 
Um, I think goaltender is a big question mark on this team, and I'll let you guys touch on that a little more. Jack Campbell would be the only goaltender under contract for next year. Uh, I look at the defense core. You have three guys getting paid five mil plus defensively, um, and then a couple more free agents there in towards the you know the bottom pairings. And then forward-wise, outside of the big four, we'll call them in Nylander, Marner, Tavares, and Matthews. Um, Alex Kerfoot is still signed, and Ilya Mikheyev is. Other than that, uh, it's just a bunch of depth guys and free agents. So I'll pose the question to you guys. Um, what would you do with this roster? Oh, by the way, they're also still paying Phil Kessel $1.2 million next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you brought that, that up. Just to toss that out. Uh, but what would you guys do first in net? Because I think I, I know just from reading Leafs fans' comments and everything, that's a huge debate and question mark. And then just with the roster in general, do you make trades? Do you What do you do look for in free agency? Do you bring any of these guys back? You know, where are you going from there? So let me, let me jump in and go goaltending first. I think you, you've got to let your free agents go. You're probably going to – Michael Hutchinson is still in the system. I think he's got an, another year, if I'm correct on that. I think he's your backup, and I think you settle with the goaltending situation you have because while it may not be ideal, like you said, there's only so much that they're going to be able to do. I think there are a lot of changes that have to come to this roster. And if we look at the playoffs and we're honest with ourselves, I mean, was he not one of the better players for them in this playoff series? Like the big yeah. criticism for me of, of the performance is that the elite players – who stood out offensively throughout the season, did not do so in the postseason. You get into some, some low-scoring affairs with the Montreal Canadiens. I thought the goaltending came around. It's not perfect. It's not going to be the best goaltending situation in the National Hockey League. But I think if we're prioritizing things, I saw enough from him this year, and I've seen enough at times from Michael Hutchinson, that I'm okay with those two moving forward so that you can use your limited money to address other areas. Bigger? Yeah. So going off goalies, uh, I'm not saying immediately you just cut Freddie Anderson loose, but I do think you let him hit the market. Uh, there are a lot of notable free agent goalies this year. And although I think a decent amount will end up signing with their current teams, I think you take that chance of letting Freddie hit the market, uh, see how much he would get compared to people. I don't know if he's going to fetch that I think he'll fetch probably around what he's at right now in five mil. It's really just the term you're looking at. Um, Jack Campbell, they do have signed for next year at 1.65. He definitely wasn't the problem. Uh, I hate that he put the blame on himself for that loss, and I expect nothing less, uh, but he was not the problem there. That being said, I don't know if Jack Campbell's really your starting goalie for a whole year. Um I know he's always been a quality backup and maybe just hasn't been given enough of a chance. But I think that will be a mistake. He's going to go out and uh, basically have last... I, I can't say Tampa this year. Uh, but what I will say, call it, is just the Tampa Bay effect of you are going to go in and your team is so good that you are going to get enough regular season wins that you're going to be looked at as a good goalie, whether or not your statistics show it. And I'm not calling out Vasp, but I'm calling out literally every other goalie that has played for Tampa in the past five years because that's how it's happened. Um, so for that reason, I think you let Freddie walk. I think you try and get a different goalie in free agency. And if not, you roll with, if you can't get a top tier guy, 
you roll with uh, a decent, like, maybe veteran as a 1-2 with uh, Campbell and split starts 60-40. So let me just to circle back to that. You said he's he's slated to make 1.65, right? So on a team where money's an issue, I'm okay with that. And I feel a little bit better because in the regular season, the Maple Leafs were fifth in shots against. So whether it's because the defense can step up or because the offense can control the puck at the other end of the ice, they insulate him a little bit too, you know? And so I don't know that he's going to steal a series for you the way that we're seeing Carey Price steal a series or Connor Hellebuck steal a series, but I think he's good enough. I believe his career save percentage is in the neighborhood of 918. You said that's typically as a backup. I understand that, but a 918 with a defense that supports him and an offense that we know can possess the puck at 1.65, I think I'm okay with that. Okay. I agree for 1.65, he is a steal. But, uh, Brett, we've talked about this multiple times. Like, what are the two things you need to win in playoffs? You need depth and you need goaltending. And uh, I'm not saying he isn't worth his value at 1.65, but I don't know the last time that uh, an NHL team has won the cup with, like, a mediocre goalie. And uh, unless like you, you really need one or two guys who are both playing out of their minds in playoffs. And I'm not saying this wasn't Campbell this year again, uh, but I think they're better suited putting their money towards a guy who can be that stud in net and taking a hit elsewhere with their cap. Vic, I think that's a perfect point. Depth and goaltending are both super important. My thinking with the Leafs is that they have neither. And I, <laughs> I find it hard true. to believe I find it hard to believe that at this time next year, they're going to have both. And so I agree. I agree that it's not an ideal goaltending situation. I agree that those are the two areas to prioritize for any team, including the Leafs. But I guess I'm picking depth over goaltending because I think the goaltending is good enough. I don't think the depth is good enough. And as we will talk about here in a moment, I'm sure depth is where you can easily replace some guys because that's where they're going to have a lot of holes. Yes. And let's, let's shift the conversation now to the depth. We'll, we'll jump right to the forward group and the defense group. So I'm just going to rattle off every guy that's slated to become a free agent <laughs> that was on the roster at the end of this season, their season. And those are the holes that need filled. And we'll go from there. So Riley Nash, Zach Hyman, Wayne Simmons, Nick Felino, Alex Galchenyuk, um, Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, defensively, Zach Bogosian, Ben Hutton, and uh, Travis Dermott is a restricted free agent. And then Martin uh, Marinson is also a free agent. So that is all that you are missing. Um, that's going to free up. I can't do the math this quick, but I will let you guys know after you talk about it. It's going to free up a good amount of cap, though. So including the goaltenders that we just talked about, there are a total of 13 free agents pending for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I would sign one of them and I would sign Zach Bogosian. And the reason that he would be oh, the one I would sign wow. is one, because he's affordable and you're going to need some affordable players. And number two is because he actually has championship experience. And I think that's what this team needs more of. I don't think they're led by a player that has been to that spot before. Like I have no issue with Austin Matthews. I have no issue with John Tavares, but they haven't been there or done that before you need players that have been there and have done that Zach Bogosian has done it with the Tampa Bay Lightning very recently 
And so I think he's a player that would be worth bringing back. But I think big moves have to come to this roster. And for the reasons you already mentioned, Brett, the financials behind it, I'm not sure if they can pull off a major move at the top of the roster, unless it's maybe a one-for-one with another star player from another team that's in the same boat as Toronto. So assuming that that doesn't happen, that a blockbuster doesn't happen, depth is where you have to make your moves. I would let everybody else go. Yeah, to piggyback off that for, real quick for a second, you're exactly right. It is going to be tough if you if – you, well, first, it's tough to move one of those big four given their contracts. So, yeah, you would likely have to take another guy with a big contract. Um, and two, I mean, it just goes to show how they've kind of just screwed themselves with their cap situation here. It's really going to be difficult. So, yes, you're freeing up money if you don't bring these guys back. But not a lot of money because you still have 40% of your cap tied up into four guys. So there's only so much you can do with what little money they will have. Um, so, yeah, it's just that's the situation. And they, they only have themselves to blame. But, uh, Victor, what would you do regarding those free agents? Okay. Uh, well, first, I'm coming Spetsa and Thorin because – they were there for their experience and grit and leadership and whatever other insert word here, NHL phrase you want to use uh, that isn't true. The Leafs have such a skill style of hockey. Let's talk right their season. Skill style of hockey that those guys just don't fit. Uh, they play fast. They play skilled. And those guys just aren't at the level anymore. I didn't like them when they were brought on. And throwing Nick Foligno in that group too, because he was there to add, uh, you know, leadership and grit and, um, ex- and just some toughness to that team. Sandpaper. He was the sandpaper guy for that team. Uh, and that's not. I don't think that's what they need uh, because there, it's not too often you win series with being the tougher team. You win with the things we talked about before. So I would cut them. Uh, Spezza, Thor, and Foligno. I would re-sign Alex Galchenyuk because he's only making a mil and this is the best he's played. Like this location, this team is the best he's played in the past five years of his career. So you're probably going to get him out. You don't think he's earned a pay raise given his play this year? Uh, No, because when you look at the past three years and I think this is very much a, you need to prove it. And I don't think he did enough until down the stretch and in playoffs that I think he makes that like no more than one and a quarter for the next two years. I'll say he signed a two-year deal at 1.25. Zach Hyman is probably going to get a pay increase. So he's gone. Not because I don't think they need him back, but yeah, that's where the budget becomes close. I'm fine with bringing back Wayne Simmons. I don't even know if he'll make 1.5. Like he's probably not going to get a pay increase. So I'm fine with him coming back at that contractor lower. And that's enough of that sandpaper or physicality that in my mind. Um, And then I'm fine with letting Riley Nash go just because he's going to be 33 and he may get a pay increase. On defense, I'm okay with bringing back Bogosian if this is his contract, but I think he's going to somehow get a pay increase. Also, as much as I agree they need that type of winning culture there, I don't think Zach Bogosian, who was debatably the sixth defenseman on Tampa's stacked team, is the guy to provide you like uh, or really bring that winning atmosphere. 
Like, it's not like they brought someone who really led a team to that. He was one of the more background people that he was one of the lowest uh, spotlight people you could have had on that Tampa team last year. So although I see the point and I'm okay, like I get that point because I think it's been like no team has won a cup without having at least one player who has won a cup before in the past 12 years or something crazy like that. So I get that, but uh, I don't know if he's the best example of it. I mean, he's not going to create that culture by himself, but I don't think anybody is unless you're uh, maybe a captain that's won and led your team to the cup. But I think he can go into building that culture. Yeah. But I don't know if he's going to provide enough of a voice in that locker room when they had what, what they poached four captains from teams this year. Like they had, four guys who at one point were a captain on their team. So I don't think Bogosian's getting that, bringing that presence anyways of just like a winning culture or a leadership. Three of those guys would be gone though, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't do their job anyways. All right. All right. Let's move on here. So, okay. um, <laughs> spend half the episode talking about Zach Bogosian. That's probably <laughs> not what you're all upon. Both good points. I, I, I see where you're both coming from. Um, but yes, I, I I'm in the boat of he'll be cheap, so bring Bogosian back. Now, when you look, though, at some of these other contracts, basically you have to free up money, or do you even want to free up money? Who are you moving? Like, Give me your, your bold move, if you have one, of what you would do with this team this offseason if you were general manager. Matt, I'll let you go first. Ooh, a bold move. Um, well, I think it would have to be that superstar for superstar. The first, so I don't know that this would be the most realistic or even the first one I would do. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But one person who comes to mind is Johnny Goudreau. I mean, I think the the Flames are in a pretty similar situation to the Maple Leafs, a team that should be better than they are. They haven't found a way to reach the point that they'd like to reach. I mean, they lost to the Avalanche a couple of years ago when the Avalanche were kind of establishing themselves as a playoff team, and it's been downhill ever since. Playing in the weak North Division, they didn't even qualify for the playoffs, really never felt like they were close to qualifying for the playoffs. And Johnny Goudreau's play has not been as spectacular in recent years as it was at one point when he was arguably an outside candidate for an MVP. So – that would be a player that comes to mind. That's obviously they won't be in the same division again this year. So I think there could be some appeal there. Who goes the other way? I'm not sure. It's certainly not going to be Matthews. It's not going to be Tavares. I would find it hard to believe that it would be Nylander. Marner led them in points. Like it's hard to decide who at the top of the roster would go the other way, but it might be a simple change of scenery type of situation. Okay. Victor. Okay. This is where I will just disagree uh, with what most fans want because most fans don't know what is best for the team. Like fans just want change because they're disappointed with how something happened. And I'm not saying I know better, uh, but I know what fans want. Uh, And having lived in Pittsburgh, I think we all know that what fans want is not always the best thing. So first off, I'm not moving any of the big four because you're not going to move your captain into Vars. You clearly went out of your way to go get him. You better not move Matthews because he's one of the best goal scorers of the future. And you better not move Marner because they were Matthews and Marner with Hyman were statistically the best line in hockey uh, 
this year as far as expected goals for uh, and expected goal differential when they were on the ice together among everybody with at least 20 minutes played together. Like, think of how you could have a few games of just a certain line put together that played well. Like, they are outperforming literally everybody. The perfection line from Boston, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Pugliarvi, they're better than everybody. And you're not going to trade. You better not move Nylander because he is your value steal. Um, Because even though he, with the other three, takes into account, what was it, 45 54% of their cap, something ridiculous. Uh, He's less than 7 mil for through 2024. And I don't think you can give up that value because you're not going to replace him with someone cheaper than that. I don't think. Uh, that's doing the same thing. Um, and he's only really entering his prime now. So I would not move any of the big four forwards. And I know that's kind of contradictory to most people right now. I would absolutely be trading Morgan Riley because I don't think he's lived up to expectations. I know injuries have played a factor. And not to mention his contract ends after next year. Uh, I would also try and move... If you move, Morgan Riley is the biggest piece I think you move. Um, you're then freeing up five mil. And to me, that is where you can put it towards a goalie because between the five mil you're saving with Freddie that you can put towards a goalie along with if you want even one or two mil from him, from Riley, that is, uh, and then re- use the remaining to fill a patch in your defense. So, Vic, I love your point about the fans. I think after any loss, it's easy to overreact, especially when you've watched the Maple Leafs fall flat on their face in the first round for the last five years. So I like that point. I think you got to take a step back and really assess the situation. But I want to circle back to what you said about that top line being the best in hockey, because while that's great, that's the best top line in hockey in the regular season. And at this point, as long as they don't miss the playoffs, I could not care less what they do in the regular season. Like, it's great to watch. It's super fun to watch. It's very entertaining. Fans can get behind it, whether you're a fan of the Maple Leafs or just a hockey fan in general. But at this point, I think it comes more down to what you do in the playoffs and what you do in the regular season. Like I said earlier, for me personally, it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season next year from an individual standpoint or a team standpoint. It's about the playoffs now. It's been about the playoffs for this team. And I would imagine they probably don't hit that same metric in the postseason. I get that the postseason is different and that it matters more, but I like, if you're good in the regular season, you that should carry over. And I know it hasn't been for the Leafs, but there's a lot of teams that hasn't for that. People aren't focusing on because they don't draw as much attention to the Leafs. The Leafs are on a similar track since getting Matthews, as far as their result in playoffs to what the avalanche have done since getting McKinnon. And mm. yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. When you look at it, like they, okay. The first year after having Matthews, they went seventh out of seven because his first season was 2016, 20, or sorry, Toronto went uh, lost in the first round. The avalanche after McCain didn't make playoffs. Like I'm not saying they did the same in the regular season, but they're opposed- let me yeah. interject for one second here. I, I get what you're saying. Maybe since, Matthews it's similar but the difference here is Matthews is getting paid twice the amount as McKinnon and kind of going hand in hand with that is the Avalanche obviously have 
a way better team depth wise, defensively, goaltender, everything. And uh, they've won in the playoffs. Yeah. Not significantly, but they've won in the playoffs. Right. So it's it's definitely different, but I do get your yeah, point. I've only won two playoff series since getting Austin or since getting Nathan McKinnon, not counting this year. And the Leafs have won zero. Yes, in four less years. Three less because Matthews was drafted three years. So I'm not saying like and again, the Avalanche are a better team, and they're still not quite seeing that playoff result yet. So uh I'm not trying to say they're exactly the same, but what I'm saying is like you are building such a great team, and I think they're there. Like I think the minute they get that first playoff win, they'll be fine. Uh, I think it's more of a mental game at this point. And to me, when Dubis brought in Felino and those sandpaper guys that didn't fit their system, it was kind of to please fans because you know the year prior they didn't do well without that guy. So it was kind of like, uh, okay, we'll we'll test it out because this is what people want to see. And I don't think it worked. And I don't want to see them blow it up for their sake because I think it will be a bigger mistake. Here's my sticking point with the Leafs, though. It's the fact that this is now two straight years where not only did they lose in the first round, but they lost to teams that had no business being on the same ice surface as them. Like, I know it was the 8-9 matchup last year, but they were clearly a better team than the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they couldn't get past them. This year, clearly a better team than the Montreal Canadiens. And you even get back to home ice, and you had two opportunities to close things out on home ice. That's where I have the issue. If they were continuing to lose in the first round, I'd still be sorry. I'd still be sounding the alarm, but not to the same extent. And the fact that they've lost two straight years to teams that they had no business losing to is where I have my issue. The two years is the part that I, uh, yes, that concerns me more, but I'm not ready to pull the trigger yet. Like give me a third year and then I'll say just completely blow it up at that point. But I mean, like Tampa got swept by Columbus. I'm not ready to draw a conclusion after one year, just because you're a better team. This year is concerning. Like, but both years, like not in the most normal circumstance. This year, I'm not saying was like that different. Uh, but last year was pretty weird. So I yeah, I'm not ready to really count or like be that worried about last year. So I I just don't think you can draw the Tampa comparison either because Tampa had reached the Eastern Conference final on multiple occasions and the Stanley Cup final prior to being swept by the Blue Jackets. The Maple Leafs have literally done nothing in the postseason. That's why I just think it's different. I think, um, again, to interject, I think a good comparison you can make to this current Leafs core would be that of the San Jose Sharks back from like 2010 through 2015 maybe, where for a while, amazing regular season team. I'm talking about the Thornton, Marlowe, Couture, that team. Amazing regular season team, never won in the playoffs. The difference there, they did win rounds in the playoffs occasionally. But I think that, that to me at least, is what this Leafs team reminds me of, is they're like the Sharks of the East in a way. And you don't want to be the Sharks of the East because the Sharks never won anything. You don't. And, uh, yeah, I just think – I think people are so ready to say blow it up uh, because of their playoff failures. But I think – wow uh and i can't say i'm not a leafs fan like can't say that enough but i think next year is the year that they might make it out of the first round and i'm not like trying to just fall subject (laughs) to to their typical slander but uh like every year up till now they had the excuse of well it's boston and it's a good team and i think 
that and last year was was a different scenario and i think this year is really the okay this was pathetic and i think now it changes uh and the culture is about to change there because up till now they coasted on the well we are a great team and we've just like had some tough luck with boston and only boston but now i think it changes and i don't want to see them blow it up for their sake right. Brett, I like the Sharks comparison. The other team I would throw out is the Capitals. Obviously, they were able to win rounds, but only one at a time. Very talented core. I think there are similarities there. Vic, I'll see it when I believe it. Or I'll believe it when I see it. We'll try that instead. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, it's different because, like you said, they've only had Matthews and I guess the specific core for three years. But this goes back to 2004 that they have not won a playoff round. At this point, I think... All of us really are aren't even considering that this could just simply be an even bigger picture. I mean, this this is a franchise that has just become so accustomed to losing, and I I think there's just a losing atmosphere and mentality up and down that entire organization, and it feeds into the players. So I don't know. That's my take. But um, all right. So just to give a brief overview, then your big change is this off season, Matt. You would move one of the quote-unquote big four uh and you'd look at a guy like johnny gaudreau who is actually making less than all four of those players um so that's good for the leafs if they can pull something like that off and victor you would move morgan riley um for another defenseman or for like a pick or uh just whatever you can get to clear up cap to provide and put that towards, yes, a less expensive defenseman uh, and also put it towards a goalie. Okay. So that's a cap dump, essentially, with Morgan Ryan. Right. Um, are either of you concerned that they don't have a first, third, or fourth round pick this year? No. Yes. I mean, of course, I think it's hard not to be, but at the same time, those players aren't going to make the immediate impact that you would want if you're in Toronto. So short-term, no, but in general, I mean, kind of, yeah. I I mean, I think it's, what, like four years typically until you see a player who was drafted make, like, an impact, and that's way too far out for this Leafs, like, window to really make a deep run. So, And then... In 2022, they only have a first, second, and seventh round. They somehow traded away already their third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Does that concern you? Now we're talking 2022. Uh, I'd never like giving up back-to-back years of first-round picks, uh, so that bothers me. They have their first in 22. They just they don't uh, have their yeah. third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. So basically, they have one dra- one draft between two years when you look at it. Basically, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be great for their future, but if it helps to their immediate success as in the next four years, it will be worth it. It worries me because it tells me that they've gone all in these last couple of years and haven't even won a series. And whether you want to put that on the players or the general manager for making the trades, that doesn't matter. It's I mean, They've tried desperately to go win a Stanley Cup and they haven't even won a fourth game. Mm-hmm. Good point. Uh, good point. Last last question I have uh, for either of you, but primarily Matt. What goalie 
do they bring or pair with Campbell for next year then for you? Hutchinson. I would, I would keep Michael Hutchinson. I think he's in the minors or somewhere not on the roster, but I believe he's there and I believe he has one more year. I would just call him up and I'd put the money elsewhere. Yeah, he is signed for 725K next year. I will take that for a goaltending tandem. I mean, for the money, obviously, like I said before, not an ideal goaltending situation, but it's goaltending and it's depth. I don't think they have either, and I would rather them go find some depth players. Okay. And if you were asking me, I, you know I hate overpaying goalies as well. Um, so I, I think I would lean – towards Matt's solution for next year as well and just ride with Campbell and and uh, Hutchinson. Both are already under contract. That means you're paying rough, uh, just a tad over $2 million for two goalies that I think, again, would be a capable tandem. Um, obviously, you hope Campbell can repeat his performance from this year, and then you're looking great. But even if he's good enough, um, if you can use that money to get some help, both defensively and offensively get some more depth, then I think it'll be worth it for a season. And then you got to come up with a long-term solution after that, obviously, but. Okay. And Phil Kessel's cap hit will be gone after next year. So that'll be nice. That's one. If they can dump Riley, I think I want to see for their sake. uh, And I don't know if either of these guys will be willing to go there but I think the best thing they could do is target whichever Vegas goalie is gone. I just don't think they're going to have the money for that. And if they do, I'm not sure what their bottom six looks like or their third defensive pair. Yeah. Now, at least you have a... Victor, do you think think Morgan Riley's overpaid at five mil? Uh, I don't know if he's going to be worth that five mil to this Toronto team, considering their budget, like I think you trade him while you can, because are you really going to resign him and pay him more? Probably not. So trade him while he is a talent. And I think he has underperformed maybe not for his contract level, but like for what they expect from him. And last year, uh, along with maybe the injuries lingering there. I will say, if you can go out and get a, an offensive defenseman for him, that would be good because their power play converted at 20% in the regular season and 13% in the playoffs. That's clearly not an Austin Matthews-Mitch Marner issue, so it's got to be an issue somewhere else. That could be an option. Yeah, just and just to go off that, Morgan Riley does have a 10-team no-trade list, but he's still easier to move than Muzzin or Brody, who are – probably overpaid as well and they each have full right. no movement clauses because the Leafs love giving out no movement clauses apparently which is another <laughs> issue in itself but full no movement clause for Muzzin at 5.625 for another three seasons and Brody as well for another three seasons at five mil per so those are kind of ugly contracts as well I think but um, you can't move them so yeah you're gonna have to build your defense around them uh, so Riley would be probably the one to go, as you said, because um, he only has a partial no movement. And I do feel like there would be a pretty large market for Morgan Riley. So you'd probably be able to get something for him. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, any other notes? We have uh, about 60-ish seconds, a little more, if you guys have any final thoughts. What what season do the Leafs win their first playoff? Their next, not first, their next playoff series. Well, if I'll tell you, you this. I will not be picking them to do so next year. So if they do, it'll be a pleasant surprise. But I'm not going to pick them to win one until I've actually seen them win one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, last year and this year were both the years for that to happen, right? Uh, I mean, playing a bad Columbus team and a very bad Montreal team. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with Matt. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, I don't think it'll be next year, so maybe I'll say 2022. Or, or I mean 2023, sorry. Okay, what I'll, if you want a firm answer, I'll say two years because what my hope would be like the best worst case scenario, I guess, is that they would fall into the same trap again next year. But at least I would know what the problem is right now. I really have no idea. I think it's a very deep rooted issue like we've all sort of alluded to. Victor, what about you? Uh, it's good. I'm, I'm going to regret saying this once I know it goes back to the normal Atlantic and look at how stacked it is. But I will say next year, because if they don't do it next year, they need to blow it up in my mind. Like, I'm giving them that next year chance still. And if it doesn't happen, then I think you just make multiple big moves. Uh, so if it's not next year, I don't see it happening in the next three well, the good mm-hmm. news, Leafs fans, is we all see them in the playoffs next year. So there you go. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> at least got a shot. All right. Uh, then that'll wrap up this uh, episode of Hockey Thoughts here on Top Shatter Sports. Matt, Vic, thank you. You guys get, each had very differing views on this team. Uh, both had some good points, both very interesting. I'm sure uh, a lot of people agree with each of you on either side. There's not really a right answer, I think, with this Leafs team. It's kind of kind of tough. Um, we will maybe we'll try to make this like a a weekly thing, kind of do team by team, but or bi-weekly or something. I don't know. The next team we already discussed, we will try to do at some point is the Edmonton Oilers, who are kind of becoming eerily similar to the Leafs in a way. Not not nearly as bad, but they just got swept unexpectedly by the Jets. Um, and they also have a lot of money tied up into few amount of players. So less talent, um, same problem. Yeah, so similar teams in a way. But um, so, yeah, we'll do them next again at some point. But maybe we'll try to get this a more consistent schedule. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we will – yeah. Victor, anything else to add? No, no. Make sure to uh, tune into our regular episode of Top Tier Sports. And after the Oilers, if there is a team you want us to cover, message us, and we will do that one. We're not doing Buffalo, though. That would take way too long. No, that would have to be like a four-part series, <laughs> which would probably be longer than their season lasts. Part so. one, the eight years of pain. <laughs> Part two, the Pagulas take over. Part three, rebuild fails. Part four, today. <laughs> Part five, no What future. do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Talk to everyone later.